King Ahaz was not a good king. He was evil. He was wicked. He was idolatrous. But he was the king of God's people in Judah. But war was about to break out between Judah, which was the southern kingdom of the split kingdom, Israel in the north. And Israel, king, had made an alliance with Syria's king, and they were coming down, and they were going to besiege Judah and try to take it over. King Ahaz learned about this. He knew that it was coming, and not only did his heart sink, the people of Judah's hearts sank because they knew they were in serious trouble from Israel or from the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, and making this alliance with Syria. He was an evil king. And his heart sank and the people's heart sank probably because they knew God was not going to listen to him. Even if he asked. God might not listen to him. And he doesn't. God's not going to intervene for him. For him. But God had not given up on Judah and the people of Judah. God sent Isaiah, his prophet, to Ahaz to talk to him. To promise him that Judah's not going away. That name, that people is not going away. The message from Isaiah was one to be of comfort, to comfort Ahaz and to comfort the people of Judah. It's okay. The name Judah is not going away. And even though the kings of Israel and the king of Syria were coming down and formed this confederacy, if you will, against Judah, against Ahaz, God will intervene as Isaiah was trying to tell Ahaz on part of Judah. Matter of fact, God wanted to authenticate that. Give him a sign. Here's the sign that I'm not going to forget about Judah. Ahaz says, I don't want to hear it. I don't care. Now that's evil. When God is wanting to talk to you, you said, I'll pass. Thanks, but no thanks. So as the wonderful God does anyway through Isaiah, he tells him anyway. (laughs) And we find it in verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means God with us. Remember that. God is with us. This virgin's son was God manifested in the flesh. This sign was not fulfilled during the days of Ahaz or any of the kings of Judah or Israel. But this is a promise that God makes and God's promises do come true. But he's talking about, I'm going to keep the line of David going. I'm going to keep the line of Judah going. That was the promise That was the gist of it when he says there's going to be a virgin. She's going to conceive and have a son. He's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. This was the sign that Judah and that name was not going away. 
But who was this virgin? And who was this Emmanuel? Who was this kid going to be? And that is our story this morning. There's a lot of people here. And I've not had a lot of time to put this together. I'm a little nervous. So I'm going to talk to God right now. And I welcome you to talk to me with him. Let us pray. Holy Father in heaven, you are a God above all gods. As a matter of fact, you're the only one. And through your son Jesus, you have blessed us beyond measure, above anything we could even imagine for ourselves. You see what we really need. And you gave us your only son. Heavenly Father, I ask that you be with me personally, be with my mind, be with my speech. Father, I don't try to put on a show, but I just preach your word in its pure and simple way because that's what saves our souls. I thank you, Father, for the written word. And as I speak and as this audience audience listens, let us know that it's a power to save us from our sins. Father, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Great to see everybody. Happy Mama's Day to all the moms. As Randy said, here and gone. I don't know where I'd be without my mom, the influence she was in my life, and I'm sure a lot of sons and daughters in the audience can say the same thing. God bless our moms. Which sort of goes along with what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you please turn to Luke chapter 1 in God's Word? Luke chapter 1. Because again, we're going to talk about who was Isaiah talking about? Who was God talking about? You know the answer, but let's break it down. Who was this virgin? Who was this Emmanuel that we're going to talk about? To begin with, let's begin in Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verse 26 to verse 33. Please read along with me. The text states, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now let's analyze what we just read. In the sixth month, I think we'll find out in a a reading later on what the angel means by that. In the sixth month, Gabriel is sent by God to this place, this region called Galilee. In the original language, and I can't pronounce that word, so I'm not going to try, means district of the pagans. And within Galilee, this region, was this city, sorry, this city, this village called Nazareth. It apparently wasn't thought much of, at least in Jesus' day, 
Because you may remember a story from your readings, your Bible readings, about a guy by the name of Philip who said he, he found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes to his friend Nathaniel and says, We found him! We found him! Who? We found the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. You remember what Nathaniel says, right? Nazareth? Can any good thing come from Nazareth? So it apparently wasn't thought much of in that day, but that's the setting for our story. So Gabriel goes to this region of Galilee, this city of Nazareth, and he finds a virgin. He goes to this virgin who was betrothed to a man named Joseph. We'll talk about him more in just a second. But be betrothed simply means this. It was like an agreement, an arrangement, rather binding, by the way, about a one-year engagement that she's going to marry Joseph. It's a very binding arrangement, if you will. A lot more binding than we have today. She, this virgin, was of the house of David. Well, why is that important? What tribe was David from? Judah. Her name was Mary. So this angel, Gabriel, having come in, I've always, some of you guys know my comical, sarcastic mind. So I'm thinking, how did this happen? Did he, hello? Uh, it's Gabriel, messenger, I got a message for you. I don't know. Did, it, did, he, did, uh, did he just come in? Was the door ajar? Or my personal favorite, he just appeared. That's pretty cool. Maybe. Anyway, he comes in. And he's going to talk to this Mary. The angel's initial address is one of encouragement and one of honor. He says to her, rejoice. That is, be happy, Mary. Be very happy. Highly favored one. Highly favored one. 2016 is a presidential elections. The Democrats are going to put somebody out, Republican, might be some independents, but they're all going to pick, choose a vice president. I've always thought that's a pretty honorable thing. Uh, you can't be the main guy or girl that they choose you to be their running mate. That's probably for political reasons. We know that. Get more votes, but it's still sort of an honor to choose. All right? Some of you Titans fans may have been upset that you, didn't get, you did not get Jameis, what's his name, Winston, Florida State quarterback. Maybe you're not. Regardless of his, of his character, he was the first person chosen of all the athletes, of all the football players, in the NFL draft. It's a pretty honorable thing. But think about God sending an angel to you and saying, I choose you. Not in a bad way, but I want to honor you. And he says, the angel says, Gabriel says, Rejoice, highly favored one, Lord is with you. Now, obviously, Mary's having some difficulty with this. As we read, why is he saying this to me? What is this, quote, manner of greeting? I've always wondered also, is she calm? Is she, like, cool with this? Is she chilled out or is she freaking out? 
By the way, from my research on this, we're not talking about a woman yet. At the very least, a teenager. Possibly even a very young teenager, according to the culture of the day and of the time. And I teach middle school teenagers every day. And they sort of freak out sometimes when things get a little off track. So I don't know. Maybe she was calm. We don't know. I think we get a, uh, um, <clears throat> maybe an idea here in the next thing that's stated. But she's, what is, what's going on? Why are you talking to me this way? But here's how Gabriel responds to Mary. Verse 30. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I don't know if you've ever done evangelistic work or, or just talking to somebody or um, whatever it may be in your life. It's always comforting to know, look, it's okay. Have a seat. Um, I was called to the principal's office, literally, a few weeks ago. And I was a little nervous. But he said, well, sit down, man. We're just going to talk about, we're going to review your year. So we reviewed the year. It was, it was good. It sort of eased that tension when I come in the room. So, Mary, 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 don't be afraid. Mary. Is that a big deal to be called by your name? It helps me, and I'm the world's worst with remembering names. Several teachers out here in the audience, this is probably happening to you. I guarantee it's going to bring a smile. You get a kid that's going on, and they come up, and it's like, Mr. Hillis, Mr. Hillis. I'm not good at remembering. I know the face. I just can't. I can't remember the name. Don't be afraid. Mary. Comment her down. Then he makes one of the great statements in the Bible. You have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. The word for favor here can also, you can use the word grace. And I've got on the side of my Bible, I wrote that, I don't know if Tony taught this, or I learned it from, heard it at some youth event, but an acronym for the word grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. I thought, what a great analogy, what a great definition of the word grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. We've heard this phrase before, or somewhat like it. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, or in Genesis chapter 6, God's ready to wipe everything clean and start all over. And if he had to wipe everything clean, I don't know what it would ha- how would he have done it. Would he have created, created another man, another woman? But well, we don't have to worry about that, right? Because in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, we read, and you know it, and Noah found what in the eyes of the Lord? Noah found favor. God, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, eight people were saved. And from them, the world was repopulated. Look what he's saying to Mary. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And because she did, a whole lot more than eight people can now be saved. Because she found grace and favor. The world is going to be blessed beyond anything we can imagine. 
because Mary found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this next thing this angel says might have, if she's not shocked, she's going to be shocked now. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son, a male child. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to go on to prove that he was God in the flesh and did manifest himself on this earth as God. But that had to have shocked her. You're going to conceive and have a son. Then Gabriel mentions, here's what this son's going to look like or how he's going to be. He's going to be great. What's great in your mind? I know what's great. Walter Payton was great in my mind. There's certain drummers that's great in my mind. There's certain, George Washington is a great leader in my mind. We know what great means. Take them all together. And they're saying Jesus is above them all. He's going to be great. Why? Because he's a son of the highest. He's got heaven's blood already running through his veins as he's conceived. God's going to give him David's throne. He's going to reign forever. There's no end to his kingdom. I wish we had time to reference 2 Samuel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 2, which prophesies that's going to happen. Whoever this Emmanuel is, whoever this Messiah is, he's going to sit on David's throne. It's going to, he's going to reign on that throne forever, and that kingdom's never going to end. So as a side note, let me say this. That's an early indication that this kingdom is not an earthly one. It's a spiritual kingdom that we have to be involved with. All right, so how does Mary respond to this? Let's look at verse 34 of Luke chapter 1, please. We'll read to verse 38. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for who, for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. How can this be, Mary states? How can this be? It's as if she's saying, Gabriel, you just called me a virgin. Do you not know what that means? Did your mom and dad not have the talk with you? Did you skip biology in high school? How? In her mind, she's saying, do you not understand the science behind this? It can't happen. It can't happen. It can't happen. So Gabriel says, well, let me give you three reasons why it can happen. Verse 35. The Holy Spirit's going to be involved. The Holy Spirit will come upon her. The Holy Spirit will bring the power of the highest to overshadow her. Hence, you're carrying, you're carrying Mary. You're going to be carrying the Holy One. You're going to be carrying the Son of God Himself. Well, what does this mean? How does this take place? I don't know. But if you are a Christian, you should have already come to grips a long time ago. As a matter of fact, before you became a Christian, you should have come to grips with there's some things we can't explain. There's some things outside the natural 
laws of science that happen, and this is one of them. This is not a natural event. It's something that has never happened, and it will never happen again. It's not natural. It's called supernatural. It's a miracle. And you have to believe in that to even be a Christian. As a matter of fact, if you don't believe the tomb is empty, the miracle of all miracles, there's no way you can be a Christian. So the Holy Spirit's going to be involved. Number two, he says, look at verse 36. Your cousin, your relative, Elizabeth, way past the age of having babies. She's pregnant. And the third thing he says, and just very simply, for with God, nothing will be impossible. I like how the ASV puts this verse. For no word of God shall be void of power. Isaiah 55 and verse 11 puts it this way. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17, he put it this way. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. There's nothing that God can't do. And that's Gabriel's answer. Mary, I know, (laughs) I understand science, I understand biology, I understand what a virgin is. But you need to understand this. You're not carrying just a human child. You're going to be carrying the God child. And the Holy Spirit's going to be involved. Look to your cousin, Elizabeth. She's pregnant when she shouldn't be. And don't forget this, Mary. God can do anything God wants to do. Okay. How does Mary respond to this? By the way, I got a question for you. Did Mary have a choice? Could she have said, as she does, okay, I accept it, Lord, I accept it. Or could she have said, I don't think so. I don't know the answer to that. All I know is what she said. In verse 38, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left. In other words, let God's will be done. I want to end with this. Mary's going to go away, whether it was on the calendar or whether she's like, I want to get away from here for a while. I don't know. We're not told. But she goes to the city of Judah to visit Elizabeth and Zacharias. Maybe she didn't know she was pregnant. I don't know. Maybe she's going to say, is she really pregnant? I don't know that. Although she goes to visit her relatives, and she gets there, and an interesting thing happens. Start reading me in verse 42. This is Elizabeth speaking. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, saying this to Mary, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which are told from her. A lot of things going on in that reading. I love to talk about a sermon in and of itself. But as Mary reaches Elizabeth, they begin to talk. Even the baby, John the Baptist we call him, leaps in the womb. So excited that the Messiah is there. Holy Spirit involved, of course. But how does Mary respond? 
This is called by scholars, whoever is called the Magnificat. If some of the youth group, especially some of the alumni, may remember us, if you, when we start reading in verse 46, that's a song. And we sing this song. It's broken down sometimes into different parts, soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. It's a beautiful song when we get it right. That's why we probably don't sing it a lot. It's tough to sing, but it's beautiful. And this reading is beautiful. It's beautiful words, but it's Mary's thoughts now. Okay? Now she, to me, she's now coming to grips. Okay, this is happening. This is real. And here's how she responds. Verse 42. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. This is a poem, by the way. It's written in poetic form. And as you read this, now we're reading it, I meant to say before I read it, I hope you caught some humility in that reading. I hope you caught the fact that she's probably alluded to some of her socioeconomic background and lifestyle in that reading. Um, Hopefully you did catch her faith in that reading. She said, her soul magnifies the Lord. The spirit has re- her spirit has rejoiced in God. She's declaring, oh God, how great thou art. How great thou art. Well, what were her reasons for stating, God, you are so great? He regarded her lowly state. You ever get low in life? Have you been, ever been to a point where you didn't really have a lot of money? Or have you ever been to a point in your life where things are just not going good for me? Maybe stabbed in the back by a friend or things not going well at home or at school or at work. It seems like everything's just crashing down upon you. You ever been that way? Well, she's saying, God, my soul magnifies you. You are great because you regard my lowly state. She says uh, another reason. He lifted her to a status so that she will never be forgotten. You cannot read and understand the complete story of Jesus of Nazareth without who in the picture? (laughs) You can't do it. It's impossible to know who Jesus is and not know who Mary is. You can't do it. She is remembered forever. Her status is remembered forever. May I put it this way? God can lift up her, and he did, and she's not forgotten. Let me state this. When I die, it's going to be a tombstone, maybe. Might just throw me in a ditch, I don't know. It's going to be a tombstone, hopefully. It's going to say Steve Hillis, 1963 to, I don't know. He was, I don't know. He was a son, husband, dad. That's cool. He was a youth minister. That's cool. He was a teacher. That's cool. 
He was the biggest doofus on the planet. That's cool. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me what's on it. But here's the thing. As I'm not going to be remembered. <laughs> Outside Warren County, 100 years from now, uh, some, somebody might be going through the graveyard and stab their toe on the tombstone. Steve Ellis. Yeah. I'm nobody. But I'll tell you this. God knows me. And someday God can lift me up. And he can take my status and lift me up and take me to heaven. And that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. And Mary gets it. That's why she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. He did great things for her. She's the mother of the Messiah, for crying out loud. She says, God's name is holy. Had a person at school. I don't think they're trying to be mean. Kept calling me Reverend. Hey, Reverend Ellis. I said, man, I, I, don't, don't call me that, please. Reverend, next, Reverend, I finally said, man, Psalm 111 and verse 9 states, Holy and reverend is his name. So please, I, I beg you, don't call me reverend anymore. And he hasn't since. And I appreciate that. God's name is holy. She got it. He shows mercy. God shows mercy to his own. God shows strength and power. He can scatter the proud. God lifts the holy and humbles the mighty. God remembers his promises. You know, a little bit of reading tells us that God was good to Israel. Oh, yeah, he sent him into Assyria. He sent him into Babylonia. But God was good to them. Much better than they deserved. Well, you know what? God's much better to us than we deserve sometimes. But the promises still remain. The promises are still there. There's still a God in heaven. His son is Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. And through faith and obedience in Jesus Christ, the promise is salvation added into the church and heaven someday. And that's a pretty cool promise in my book. Mary will go on to give birth to the Savior of the world, raise Him, care for Him, love Him, watch Him become the most popular person in the land. Nobody exceeded Jesus in popularity at one time. And she's also going to watch as everybody turns around and begins to ridicule Him, to spit on Him, her son, Beat him, nail him to a cross, and watch his body go limp. She was there. She saw it. Any mom in the audience, even dads, I would hope, understands how that probably felt, to watch your son go through that. She watched it. Here's my final verse. Acts chapter 1. And you want to turn there, you're more than welcome. This is the last thing we'll ever read about Mary in the Bible. It's in Acts chapter 1. A lot of stuff said about her, obviously. But this is it, about Mary, the mother of Jesus, I should say. In Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Why? Because Jesus had told them to. They resurrected Jesus. 
to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they entered into the upper room where they were staying. Eleven of the apostles were there. Judas is not. Verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. She had witnessed her son working in the father's business. Remember when Jesus was 12 years old? She had witnessed all that, which included all the things we just mentioned, as well as Jesus coming back from the dead, proclaiming to the world, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the King of kings, and I am the Lord of lords. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And we can honor Mary that God said, you're the one. Of all the Jewish women of all time, Mary, you're the one. And she was a great, from all accounts, she was a great mom. Just like great moms in this audience. But the greatest thing was who came from her. And that's not, a, that's not anything against Mary. We know how great she is, but it's the one she gave birth to, her firstborn, the God child, the God in the flesh, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, there's a song that Brother Larry has prepared. Go ahead and get your songbook out. That son, that Emmanuel, that God in the flesh, is Jesus. And he is the Savior. The evidence, when looked at open with an open mind, can only lead you to that direction to that proper conclusion. And if he is the Savior, and if he did say you have to repent, and you have to be baptized, and you have to live faithfully, then that's the truth. Because all he spoke was what he was told to speak from heaven. And that is the truth. Now, if you are here this morning, we, are, we have extended an invitation. Our elders have us do this every time, and I'm glad that they do. Because you may be sitting here right now, and you know you know that you're not going to heaven right now. You're not a Christian. Or you're living unfaithfully to the Lord right now. Well, if it's so, if it is your desire, and you choose to, and you want to talk about it, won't you come on down as we stand and sing?